Healthy eating doesn't have to take up a lot of time. Matter of fact, it can be done on the go with the Blend Jet 2 Portable Blender. So now any fast food temptations that strike can be pushed to the side as you blend up a delicious and nutritious protein shake or smoothie. Blend Jet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blend Jet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With so many different colors and patterns, you will have so many options to choose from. You might want to get more than one. So if you are interested in getting your Blend Jet 2, grab yours today. And make sure that you use the promo code COFFEECONVOSLIZ12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. So again, that is Coffee Convos Liz 12 to get 12% off. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code Coffee Convos. Liz 12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop now and get the best deal ever. Welcome back Coffee and Combo listeners. It is your host Liz and I am excited to be here to chat with you all and with Abby from Political Psych. And if you do not know her and you haven't checked out her YouTube channel, please go over there and do that. It is a mix of um, information and it is informative and it is entertaining. And I cannot wait to pick her brain today about how politics and activism are related to wellness, Mm -hmm. which you know is something that I love to highlight here on Coffee and Convo. So welcome, Abby. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and it is actually uh, political psych with Abby. I don't want to claim the whole field as my own. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. And and again, thank you so much for taking the time to to meet and chat with me. Um, and so, as a as a welcome to the show, I like to a- um, ask people: Are you a coffee or a tea person? Like, what's your like favorite thing to drink? Um, I'd say I'm a tea person. Honestly, I'm not that big a tea person, but I'm trying to get into it for health reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to get into like I like so far I like matcha lattes and I like chai. Um, oh, my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like them hot or iced? Hot, typically. Although mm-hmm. um, I've had like matcha as like bubble tea iced, and that's nice. Ooh, nice, nice, nice. Really. Uh, healthy and just nurturing, like I hope our conversation is today. So again, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Thanks. And so, Abby, please tell us a little bit about um, your, your brand and, you know, political psych. It, it's, it's um, again, I, I checked out a lot of your videos and it they were 
easy to listen to and I, I love your messaging and, and the style which you present the information. So kind of just introduce the listeners to to who you are. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, when I finished college, I decided to go get a master's degree in political psychology. Um, and I already knew that I wanted to do like some communication stuff around it um, because I already had a bit of a background in, in social psychology um, and in history. Uh, so I sort of already was thinking about a lot of topics to do with you know, how this, this field of political psychology could be used by the wider world, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And also I was aware that a lot of social psychology stuff, which is very related to political psychology, was not really being applied as much as it could be, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I started the channel really to get this information and this subject that fascinated me so much out to a wider audience because political psychology, right, is like... Um, it's the psychology of politics. So it can be used basically to manipulate people, if that makes sense. Um, right. And that can mm -hmm. be used for like good causes of like, you know, encouraging people to come together around a good thing and to work together and all that kind of thing. But it can also be used to divide people or to encourage prejudice and all those sorts of things. So I think it's a, you know, I'm generally very in favor of, you know, the public knowing all sorts of things about all sorts of subjects, but it's a subject that's like very important for people in general to know about because if more people know about it, especially people who aren't already in positions of power, it has mm -hmm. much more of a potential as a force for good. Um, yes. Yeah, so, and especially like activists and that sort of thing. So a lot of my videos are sort of geared at that kind of audience. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I started it partially just because I thought it would be fun. Um, and it yeah. is fun. And the, the benefit that I didn't really realize is, um, so my master's ended up being totally remote because of the pandemic. I did my master's from okay. uh, 2020 to 2021. Um, and doing my YouTube channel and also like posting on Instagram about the articles I was reading turned mm -hmm. out to be really good for my academic performance. Like I ended up <laughs> at the top of my class and wow. like- I was pretty good academically before, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Weirdly, definitely would recommend like making content about what you're studying as a study technique. <laughs> I mean, you get kind of immersed in it uh, doing yeah. it that way, I would imagine. Oh, you totally do. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the videos themselves, like it was very important to me that they be like very engaging and that they be something different than like just a recorded lecture because there are yeah. like a lot of academics who are like more knowledgeable than me who are putting up recorded lectures and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so if that's what you want, you know, you go to like edX or something for that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I wanted to do something that's more like short chunks than a whole course. And also that like has some visuals and some jokes and some personal stories, you know, something that like someone theoretically would watch for fun too. <laughs> the videos are fun and uh, your, your visuals um, that really stood out to me. It wasn't just, like you said, a lecture, your, your visuals are, are very good. Thank um, you. Especially even your logo, which I am very curious in, um, how did you come up with your, your logo? And, and listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, it is, you know, the, the brain 
and it has a can on top of it. Is that's your, you know, your your staple? Is that correct? Yeah. Um. I mean, it wasn't my original logo. Um. But honestly, I just really like cats. Uh. That's a big part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like cats and. I started doing, I don't think it was in my first video, but pretty early on, I started having cats in the credits of my videos, especially because some of my videos can get kind of heavy and I want to show people like something cute and uplifting at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also I now have a thing. Um, so I have a Patreon for my YouTube channel, which means that people can like donate money and that helps me like buy books and things or other random stuff I need for the videos. Right. It gives me a little bit of a budget. Um, mm -hmm. and so the people who, uh, give me money on Patreon, obviously I want to thank them in the credits of my videos. And one of the ways I do that is I put their names there, but I also give them the option of having their pet in the credits. And so far it's been oh, basically cool. only cats. Um, but I'm very <laughs> open to like dogs and iguanas and whatever people have. Right. Um, yeah. and so cats are like a part of it there. And then the brain, you know, seemed like a reasonable thing uh, to have in there. Although I will say I'm not like super on the neuroscience side of things, but it all still happens in the brain. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of thought like, oh, this will be kind of cute and kind of communicate what it is. Uh, originally, I think my logo was like, uh, just like the words like political psych with Abby. And I realized mm -hmm. that that was like too wordy because YouTube logos and like also it's the same logo I use on like Instagram uh, too. Like they show up super small, so you can't really have them mm -hmm. be words, if that right, makes sense. Right. Or like, mm -hmm. you can't have them be just words, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It does get like, it's like, what is that? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of like having uh, the pets at the end. I think that is so creative and a great way to um, engage your audience and kind of thinking about engagement. Um, kind of tell us a little bit about how can, you know, how can we make politics interesting, right? How can we use this idea of psychology to bring people to, to the table? If that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I think part of it isn't so much that people are bored by politics as that they feel helpless, if that makes sense. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I hear a lot from people, like, that they're just overwhelmed, right? Especially, right. you know, in this age where you're getting so many, so much information, so many calls to action, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's why I think it's actually really important for people to, like, for engagement to mean focusing on things and doing things with other people rather than just obsessively keeping up with the news all the time right like it's mm, it's good yeah. to be informed but it's better to be pretty informed and also pretty active than to just be paralyzed by trying to be you know perfectly informed about everything and then just being mm -hmm. incredibly overwhelmed if that makes sense right mm -hmm. um and also i think one huge takeaway from psychology is just like how social we are right, right. um and that like for you know successful movement successful activism to happen people have to work together um and they have to feel like they have 
a common identity or common sets of belief with the people that they're working with, if that makes sense. Right. So like, absolutely people don't necessarily have to all come from the same background within a movement. I'm absolutely not saying that, but like a sense of, Oh, okay. These are the people that I'm allied with. We share these values, that kind of thing um, is super important. I, I love that. I love um, how you talk about, that sense of allyship, right? Reminding people what you have connected, because I yeah. think sometimes politics have been so polarizing because there's this focus on what separates us and it creates this divide. But I like how you're saying about with activism, right? And in reaching people really find that connectivity. And that it isn't just about surface level, about appearance or just about a certain issue, but there, there's, you know, finding that commonality, finding that thing that, that links us. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, obviously there are some people who are not going to be your ally on basically mm -hmm. anything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and that is one thing that I, that I try and really move away from on my channel. I, I really don't do both sides of them, mm -hmm. um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of tell us more about that. Cause that's a really, like, it's interesting, right? Like why kind of stick away from that? So from someone who's kind of looking into activism and they're trying to bring, we'll say everyone to the table, what is kind of the, how, how does the both sides of them kind of muddy the waters for, we'll say? Well, I think that a lot of people, and this is sort of a good instinct to have, want to think that everyone has the same good intentions, but different ways mm. of getting there. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just not true. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, one of the things that we can learn from political psychology is that some people genuinely don't really want the world to be equal mm. um, and also may have more authoritarian tendencies or more prejudiced tendencies. And that is something that these people can overcome. And when they are working to overcome it, these are absolutely mm -hmm. people, who, you know, if they have a if, if they're more prone to this, but they're not acting on it and they're trying to be a good person, that is absolutely a person you want to work with as an activist. But a lot of people genuinely don't share the values of, um, you know, equality and decency and dignity for everyone, if that makes sense. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't have to. So I really think that I don't need to take the viewpoint of treating a view that poor people should starve as equally valid if that if that makes sense right mm -hmm. um so you know i think it's important you know to encourage a dialogue where you take people from a lot of different groups and you know like let's say you're trying to solve a problem like hunger right like right you want to talk to people who have a lot of different ideas about how to solve that and a lot of different experiences with it and all that kind of thing but you don't need to talk to someone who thinks it's not a problem you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And yeah. that's one of the reasons why my channel is like explicitly really geared at activists. And like, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not neutral. I am absolutely trying to present information to people who will do good things for causes that I also believe in. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, there is a real controversy within political psychology as an academic field about how neutral to be. Mm. Um, yeah, what's really interesting, though, is a lot of the time, like, there are a lot of people who will try and, like, make a case that, like, conservatives and, and more left-leaning people are, like, equally prejudiced, but against different groups. But, like, the data is just not there, right? Yeah. If you get what I mean? At least from yeah, most yeah. studies. Um, but, like, and so I think it's really important to realize that, like, 
the science is not politically neutral, right? Like, right. The most politically neutral outcome is not necessarily the scientifically correct outcome, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I so want to pick your brain about neutrality because that opened up like another thought I had, but I want to go back to what you said, which is, you know, when it comes to um, engaging people um, and they have opposing view sides um, that might be more authoritarian and things like that, really thinking about if they're willing to overcome some of those biases, right? And I, I think sometimes about, you know, locally, right? A lot of times we try, we spend so much information in trying to engage people in leadership that they're not willing to overcome their biases or their positions. And that's time wasted, right? Like if we ally ourselves with people that have a similar view, start there and kind of building that momentum or that change, it, I think, you know, in thinking from like activism, it, 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 you know, that balance between, you know, wellness, right? Not giving so much, but also having something that you, you walk away with, right? I think yeah. that it would be so much more effective and it wouldn't feel so exhausting because I think there's a lot of time spent trying to convince someone that, yeah, like people who, you know, should have food or like, yeah, like people should have housing when, yeah, they're not willing to overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. That's basically the main reason I refuse to argue with people in in the YouTube comments under my videos. Mm. <laughs> right. <Hate> like, that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I get trying to convince people of things. Um, but I usually try and do it, you know, in a non-confrontational way by like presenting information and people's mm -hmm. stories and that kind of thing. Argument and debate, especially in a very confrontational context, is not like a super great persuader of people, especially people who already have strong views on an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually really interesting. There's there's some literature to suggest that like people are much more persuadable when you come at them in like a way that's sort of ego flattering to them and yeah. um, doesn't... Uh, you know, doesn't come off confrontational. It comes off like you're on the same side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Although obviously mm -hmm. there are limits to that, right? Like there are people you mm -hmm. shouldn't try and flatter. There are people you shouldn't try and be nice to, right? Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, if someone's a bit off from you on something, I think it really, you know, as my grandmother always says, you, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely kind of wanting to pick your brain a little bit more about neutrality, right? Um, can we be open to different, we'll say political entities, but still keeping um, our viewpoint? You know, is it better to be neutral? What are your thoughts there? I'm not going to say it's better to be neutral. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that there are instances in which it's helpful to take a neutral point. You know, if you're if you're being a moderator in a, you know, in a, in a forum where you want people to hear what each political candidate has to say about something, right. Mm -hmm. um, then it's, then it's useful to take neutrality. Um, I think the real question is, um, you know, are you working towards the same goals? If that makes sense. Right. Mm. Like, um, and there yeah. are instances, especially at the local level. And I'm a real big believer in being involved in local politics, um, there are instances, mm -hmm. especially at the local level, where people from really different political persuasions are going to have, you know, a similar goal, at least on a specific thing, and you could present it to them in more neutral language and get them involved, right? Like, let's say you have a problem with litter locally, right? Um, if you right. phrase that as a 
environment issue, if you phrase that as an environmental issue or environmental justice issue, you might have some difficulty getting some people on the right on board. But if really all you want is volunteers to pick up some trash, you could phrase it as a trash cleanup and then you're likely to get more people, especially if you're in an area with a lot of more right-leaning people in it, you know? Mm, absolutely. Like, I, I love that example, right? So it's really, really like really thinking about the issue. Like, what is the issue? What are you trying to solve? And how does that issue speak to different people, different demographics, right? Um, exactly. I, I like that. Yeah, exactly. But not every issue is going to be like that. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be nice if it was. <laughs> It'd be so nice if it was. That would be so nice. Unfortunately, yeah, it's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, in, in, in your video about sustainability, and um, listeners, I'll put that link in, in the, the show notes because I, I think there was so many um, good tidbits of information. And um, uh, one thing that, uh, that stuck, stuck out to me was that good peer pressure. And you talked about the example was about like if, you know, one person puts solar panels, then the next person kind of has that, that good peer pressure to kind of take oh, initiative. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about my, and, my solidarity video then. I'm sorry. Solidarity. I'm so sorry. I do talk about sustainability in it. I just, I also made a video about psychology and climate change specifically, and I'm still proud Mm -hmm. of it, but it's one of my old videos. So like the video production quality is not good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But the information is solid. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I stand by that. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. No, no worries. So in, in the solidarity video, you talked about that good peer pressure. And can you speak about that a little bit? How can people use that? That Well, first, can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how can we use that um, when we're trying to make changes in our community? Yeah, basically, um, because we're such social beings as people, um, if you see someone, especially someone you respect or someone you see as part of your in-group doing something, then you're more likely to do it. So, you know, someone putting solar panels on their roof, their neighbor is then more likely to put solar panels on their roof. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that what that means from an activism perspective is, um, you know, if you're doing something that you think is good and you'd like other people to be doing it, make it seem normal that you're doing it. um, Mm. And also make it seem like it would be a normal thing for someone else to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, a really important thing. And it's really interesting though, right? Because like, I don't know if you remember if you had the same experience, but in like health class in high school, they're always like peer pressure. It's so bad. They'll want you to take drugs. Right. But like peer <laughs> yes. pressure is like how kind of how society functions as a society, right? Like people typically behave okay to each other and not just because of like laws, right? Like there are norms of society. right? And also what's really interesting is like, there's some really strong indicators that people will express or possibly even have less prejudice if they know that that's like not normal within their community. Right. If they, and they, Mm -hmm. you can actually manipulate this experimentally, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you show someone data that says, you know, uh, 90% of your community thinks that this form of prejudice is wrong, 
um, versus showing them data that says 20% of their community says that this form of prejudice is wrong, they will actually sort of think about it differently, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why, like, so my main thing is definitely not like social media activism, but around certain things, it can be useful for like creating norms and perceptions of norms. Um, You can see it experimentally. Like if you, if you tell someone that that certain kinds of prejudice are common or uncommon in their community, Mm -hmm. um, they'll express prejudice differently because people generally want to be accepted by their community. Right. Mm. Um, Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, like, um, so I'm not usually like that into social media activism, but it can Mm -hmm. be useful for creating norms in certain, you know, spaces and that kind of thing. Right. I, I, I like that because, you know, um, kind of thinking about, you know, in the pandemic where you were seeing just how, how horrible and how rude people were treating people and kind of the thought was like, how, how do you legislate kindness? How do you legislate people treating each other nicely? And, you know, yeah. it, it's really about making it a norm, right? Just normalizing yeah, how do we treat each other? Yeah. It, it's a social norm thing. You can't, you can't really do that through legislation. Right. Um, I mean, you can do that through moderation on various social media websites and whatever, and I am in favor of moderation, but like, you can't really do it legislatively. To some extent, it just has to be a set of societal norms, right? Right. Um, And this is part of the reason why I get kind of annoyed by people who like complain about cancel culture constantly, right? Because it's like, because a lot of the time it's this really bad faith argument where they're basically just arguing to have no social norms and to be able to say anything without being ostracized mm. for it. And that's not what freedom of speech means. Like right. if, if you're an asshole and people treat you like you're an asshole, <laughs> that that's sort of how society is right. supposed to function. It's again, interesting to think about like, huh, adding that the psycho- the psychology, right? The, the human to the politics and how further we can go kind of blending those two. Yeah. Um, um, absolutely. Um, another thing from from your your video that I wanted to pick your brain on, um, mm-hmm. uh, there was a statement was like about uh, making the sustainable choice systematically easier and better, right, for people, right, so that yeah. they are more likely to do that. And um, it kind of was like a light bulb, like, oh yeah, like if we make it easier or more accessible for people to, we'll say like be environmentally friendly, right? People might yeah. be more likely to do that. I think you used the, the tree example. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, we do, the, the world we live in now, right? A lot of choices, especially about sustainability are really phrased as personal choices and as personal virtues. And that's just a really counterproductive way of, of approaching Mm. it. Um, because, um, because the personal carbon footprint is actually a tactic come up with by big oil, specifically BP. Um, and this is like very provable. Um, and so the idea that like, we all have to be perfectly sustainable in our personal lives before we can do anything in the political realm is a really bad idea because like it's genuinely impossible to live a perfectly sustainable life under our current system. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you reform the overall systems that has a much larger impact because not everyone is thinking about environmental stuff 
when they're making each individual choice. Not everyone can afford to, not everyone is able to. Also, you know, if you're trying to be perfect about it, first of all, you can't be just about unless you go live in the woods. And even then, uh, <laughs> but, but you, um, but that's also just an exhausting way to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it comes back to the mental health thing, right? Like I would much rather, and it would have a much greater impact in, instead of, you know, people stressing all the time about making the lowest carbon choice for every single thing they do, you know, get involved, advocate for some stuff in your community, advocate for better public transit, uh, mm. get your local pension funds divested from fossil fuels, that kind of thing, right? That's that's going to have a much bigger impact. Um, and devoting that energy to activism is is going to be a better use of your personal energy than trying to live perfectly sustainably. Although I'm not saying like, you know, if you have to have a car, yeah, go ahead, buy a, buy a hybrid, right? Or an electric car. Like that's not a mm-hmm. bad thing to do. It's just not the overarching solution, right? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no. And like, I do think that there is this problem, right? In some activist circles where people will judge each other for not having perfectly sustainable personal mm-hmm. choices. Um, right, and right. that's also something that like, gets really i think that a lot of like you know commentators who are opposed to the environmental movement will really seize on they'll be like oh this person took a flight to a climate conference they're a hypocrite and it's like no that's not how that works like (laughs) yeah (laughs) and usually the person who's calling them out isn't trying to make a case that no one should fly they're just making a case that environmental activists should shut up and then right. you have to figure out, hmm, is the think tank this person is working for funded by big oil? Hmm, <laughs> good point. Yeah. Very good point. <laughs> but but a- absolutely. And um, again, I love how, you, again, it's getting me to think about where are you putting your energy, right? Like yeah. you can't do, um, I had someone else on the show and we were talking about sustainability, right? And, and the thing was like, you can't do everything, right? You can't do all yeah. the things. And so really thinking about where are you putting your energy? Where are you trying to mobilize? And um, again, I appreciate that, that call to action and, and then that thought process on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think part of it is, right, that like, um, there is this effort, right, by big companies to turn activism um, and generally trying to be a good person into a consumer brand rather than a political mm, movement, right? Right. It benefits them so much more, right? Mm. Um, yeah, like um, I was having a conversation with a relative a couple years ago um, and she was talking about the the Colin Kaepernick Nike ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to clarify, like, I'm absolutely not judging him for doing that ad, but like, um, she was saying, well, I got to buy some Nikes now, even though they hurt my feet. And I'm like, you know, you could just like donate to an anti-racism organization <laughs> instead <laughs> or get involved in activism. Like not everything has to be through this consumer lens. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> absolutely. Um, Again, you have my wheels turning, um, right? Because again, and, and I appreciate how it's, 
everyone can be involved, right? Like there's not this one way of getting involved. Everyone can get involved, right? This is an inclusive thing, right? It's not just for quote unquote, the activist, right? The person that identifies as that. It's oh, everybody can be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing too, right? Of like creating norms of doing that, right? Of getting mm-hmm. involved with things. Um, and it's like really interesting, right? Because I think different people are raised with different norms around that kind of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, because like, I don't think I, I think I went to my first protest when I was probably around 18. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't grow up doing that kind of thing. And I think a lot of people didn't either. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, my husband, his family, and they're, they're British. So like, it's, it's a whole different political culture. Um, they're like super political. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And also from like the middle of London. Um, and he, there are pictures of him like being at like anti-war protests when he was like three years old. Um, and it's interesting how those <laughs> norms like still affect people. Right. Because like, right a lot of my friends I'll have difficulty like trying to get them to show up to something, even if they care about the cause, but him, right. Because he was raised with those norms and also because he's just a good guy. I'll be like, you want to, you want to come to this thing? You want to help with this thing? And he's there, you know? Absolutely. And you know, um, again, so many tidbits of nuggets and, and listeners, I please, 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 uh, go check out political psych with Abby. Um, uh, just more mind-blowing information like she has shared today. And um, please, Abby, share, how can people find you and connect with you, um, you know, on your platforms? Yeah, sure. Um, so the YouTube channel is Political Psych with Abby. You can just about search for it and you'll get it. But I think there'll probably also be a link in the description, I assume. Yes, ma'am. Um, and then the Instagram is... Why can I never remember my own Instagram handle? Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's political psych with Abby um, on Instagram. And then I'm pretty active on Reddit. And that handle is uh, political dash psych dash Abby. Um, and I just left Twitter. So uh, don't look for me there. I won't be there. Um, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, honestly, I didn't find it very interesting. And we were just talking, right, about concentrating your your effort where it's useful, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't find that interesting. I found it kind of exhausting. I wasn't getting very good traction. And so I'm like, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, Abby, what would you like to to leave folks with, right? So people that are listening, you know, any last words for them? Try and find less time, uh, try and find yourself stressing about uh, the state of the world less and doing more things about it and doing things about it will probably help stress. It certainly has for me. Love that. Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think we do get stuck on this wheel of like, this is going on and that is going on. But, and then like you mentioned earlier, we feel helpless but really, you know, I leave this encouraged to find, you know, where can you help? Exactly. Yeah. And you can also find community in helping. And that's a really important mm. and healthy thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Abby, my final question that I like to leave folks with is what's in your cup? And this is where I encourage my guest and my listener to think about what, what are, you know, 
two or three things that you need right now to fill your emotional cup. And, you know, as we've been talking and, you know, again, we, we, we don't have an endless supply of energy, right? So sometimes you have to kind of take care of yourself, right? And so um, as you think of your answer, um, I'll give you mine. The three things that I need today, um, I'm staring out, looking at the snow um, as it's starting to fall. The first, I think this is like our first, maybe second snow of this season. It's starting to stick. So I'm going to do things that are warm and comfy today. Um, so I think I, I need like literal to fill my literal cup with hot cocoa. I'm going to get a good book. And I'm going to, I think later, just take some time and just fill my emotional cup with something around like education and just information. Because again, I'm just feeling really inspired. And so I think I'm just going to do some kind of a, uh, deep diving into the different organizations and things that are local or nearby and just kind of just have that in my back pocket. So um, those are the three things I'll say education, books, and hot cocoa. So what about you, Abby? What do you need today? Um, well, I'm really tired, honestly. I'm, I'm getting over the flu. Uh, so I'm going to well, mostly spend today uh, resting. Uh, I think I'm going to watch some it. TV, do some point, and then cook a nice dinner. Oh, I love it. A nice, comfy way to spend the day. And, yeah. you know, again, thank you so much <laughs> for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Abby, be well, take care. And uh, please do not be a stranger to Coffee and Combos. Anytime you want to share anything, please stop on by. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me.